0: All right, so for our pilot episode, I've got two agents I've worked with for a while now, both of which have seen their fair share of ups and downs in the business, along with a few crazy stories that we're no doubt going to get into. Lane Bartley and David Couture. Both of these guys office out of Taylor Reed Realty in Lubbock, Texas. And without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. just be looking there for notes from time to time so you and me both yeah. yeah all the all the incorrect stuff that i put down you've only been married for nine years lane so <laughs> i got you for did you see the updated notes I'm, yeah okay so tell me tell me where i'm wrong hold on let me get to it <laughs>
1: will it be in my notes <laughs> just go, go well, back to your
0: text yeah go back to the text or and go back to the shared them. note so so where i messed up is when i sent you the notes of, of the podcast like script type stuff yeah i forgot that it updates as i update it so if I would have put in there something like, "Man, Lane's a jerk" or whatever, like you would see that.
1: <laughs> yeah. so. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Actually, I got into real estate in 2015 at Colwell Banker. Then it was Remax, and it was okay. $10.
0: See, I'm going all off of Facebook. Yeah. So, I oh, so that's cool. yeah. I just creeped on both of you and yeah. just got as much data. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm not i I'm like, I'm not doing it nefariously to mess up on the podcast. I mean, just being authentic, I guess. Yeah. You know. No, for real. But anyway. So, Lane, what did I get wrong about you? Actually, you actually got all my stuff right. Really? Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool.
2: Maybe I need to go check on my social media stuff. Yeah, maybe you
0: to <laughs> <need laughs> go look at yours. You, you got a bunch of false information yeah, on
2: Yeah, I A little misleading.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Lane Bartley and David Couture.
2: Oh, you got it.
0: Dude. And, you know, I was telling my wife last night whenever um, – because she saw that I wrote down on a piece of paper on my desk – uh, K-U-H-T-O-U-R for pronunciation on there. And she said, what is that? And I said, that's the pronunciation of one of the podcast guests. And she said, oh, okay. So th- that's I nice was laughing one.
2: when you when you text me. And you're like, how do you pronounce your last name? I'm like, I got to call you. Yeah. I don't know how to put it in a text. And I was like,
0: that was a perfect opportunity to go in and use your iPhone's ability to send a voice message. I'm like, you, you could have done it.
2: I totally I'm, forgot about that. I
0: know. I'm like,
2: yeah, there, there's voice text. And
0: I never do that. And when I get it, <laughs> When I get it, it's almost like somebody's calling you on Facebook. Yeah, like right. what are you doing? Why are you calling mm-hmm. me through Facebook? Right, and, and it's it's always a mistake. I've never gotten the one person I've actually gotten a voice message from Brian Mains. Brian Mains, yeah, Brian does it a lot. He does, does it does does too. It. Yeah, okay, well, he does.
1: And like, is it is it convenient? Does it work for y'all? I don't ever use it. Right, I, it's a. I actually get. Kind of more annoyed when people send that stuff to me because I'm like I don't want to listen to you. I want to re- if you're gonna send me a voice, call me yeah well because yeah.
2: they they disappear afterwards and well, so people- like I'll get them and then I'll text them back normal text and they're yeah. like okay yeah yeah <laughs> well
1: it's yeah because awesome. some and uh, uh, yeah technology sometimes is a little too much. And I get why people use it because maybe they're driving but yeah yeah whatever yeah I get it. <laughs> you got shot.
2: Yeah. I did. David. My wife my wife makes fun of me for it. She's, uh-huh. she, she, she she told me a little bit of the story. She didn't say I really got shot. Anytime I tell her I got shot, she rolls her eyes. But you know, it is what it is. Did it break the skin? It did. I was bleeding.
1: Did it go in your body?
2: Well, it kind of like grazed through and I have two scars. I covered them with tattoos, but I have two scars. There you go.
0: Oh, there you go. It was a shotgun. Yeah, it was a BB from a shotgun, Co- wasn't it? A couple. Not a a, a okay. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Uh,
2: no, but I mean there there was enough around. I'm I'm surprised I didn't get hit more because it was kind of all in the door and everything. And they weren't actually shooting at me. Apparently, um, there was a guy hiding under the stairs at the apartment they were we were at when I was walking up the stairs at like one in the morning, trying to be a good husband, carry the laundry in. Um, uh, anyway, so you know, I hear this loud boom or whatever, and something hit me, and I was like, what the heck. Go inside, bleeding a little bit. Anyways, I thought a car backfired or something. And I got hit with a rock, or I don't know. Anyways, my mom called me about an hour later um, and she's like, Hey, there was just this drive by shooting over by your apartments. She was like, are, are you okay? And I was like, Holy cow, somebody just shot me. <laughs> So, I mean, it wasn't like any kind of like had to go to the hospital or anything. Mm-hmm. You just wipe it off and put a bandaid
0: on it. But it was. Yeah. But you like to. It's like the. It's but like now the fish I'm story. like.
2: Yeah. Now I'm like, yeah, I got shot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the, the fish gets bigger <laughs> each time you tell the story. For sure. Yeah. 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 It started off as a as a bass. And now it's like a 500 oh, yeah. pound blue marlin. Had a gaping hole in my arm. Yeah. All those kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. you never been shot. Have you?
1: No, I've never been shot. Oh, but wow. I've had a really good friend of mine get shot really uh-huh at a at a house party in college that was pretty <laughs> that was pretty interesting like, he's actually a past client bought a couple houses from us so did like, like
2: he probably got for real shot
1: right no he did yeah, yeah. he got it hit him in the shoulder and actually clipped one of his arteries and yeah, yeah that's that's for yeah.
2: real getting shot yeah, yeah. <laughs> i
1: mean he that's, it was a uh, i think he got shot with a a 380 yeah that'll do it yeah <laughs> and it was so close like you could oh, man. we were at the hospital and you could actually pinch the bullet in the in his shoulder blade oh my gosh wow. so they had to go in through his thigh get an artery uh-huh and because it was at his back they didn't have to do like a full open heart they went through his armpit good night to put the artery in dude so like is... where the bullet where they took the bullet out he only had two stitches it's funny, but <laughs> wow! I mean, he's got he's got a pretty nice little scar on his thigh, gnarly little onset. scar on yeah. his thigh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never been shot,
0: nor have I ever shot anyone, but I've been around people who've shot people. So yeah. Yeah. by osmosis, that counts. Yeah, yeah. I was in, I was in basic training for a little bit. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I, I was in the army for like a very, very, very brief stint. Didn't <laughs> even make it past basic training, but because I got I got um, hurt in basic training and I got a medical discharge. They discharge you for just about anything, anything little. Vertigo dyslexia we had guys Hmm. in basic who were 13 bravo um artillery support specialists you know they got to read maps and stuff you cannot be dyslexic with that because it's like yeah you'll blow up the wrong person exactly or send somebody to the wrong place exactly (laughs) yeah yeah it's like it's like gomer pile yeah i thought i was supposed to be here (laughs) but but i remember seeing like a couple of the drill sergeants and you could always tell because their their drill sergeant hat would have a blue A light blue, robin's egg blue, which was weird because robin's egg blue is what promotes like happiness in people. Yeah. It's like they probably had to put that there to calm the recruits down. But anyway, I digress. Those are the ones that were in the infantry and they'd have an infantry badge too. And I remember seeing that thinking you have killed people. Oh, yeah. it's like – and it's not being – you know, disrespectful. It's just that thought crosses your mind and you realize you're talking to somebody who has, yep. they don't live in the same world as you no, do. seen some stuff. They have, yeah. and you yeah. got to respect them and you got to, you know, give them their, give them their, <laughs> their, yeah. their space, you know, with stuff like that. And it's, and you know, uh, y'all talk about that kind of stuff. And, and you think about the people that we deal with on a day-to-day basis in, in real estate. Have y'all ever come across somebody who just, lives in a completely different world than you whether it's that kind of stuff or whether it's a different financial world you know like not people that are quite on our level right because we see all kinds
1: yeah i I mean my father-in-law he owns a construction company uh here in town and uh one of his workers little bitty guy doesn't look like like he would be much um but when he was he was in the vietnam war Mm. and i've met him a few times he's a nice guy But his job was he'd go into those trench holes and he, because they would have to uh, inspect them and he'd said, yeah, every now and then you'd come face to face with a Viet Cong in one of those holes and it was basically a knife fight in the hole and he's alive. And I was like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like... That's crazy, but me like talking yeah. to him. He's, I mean, yeah,
0: that's up close and personal stuff. Yeah, like that's not that's not calling in a drone strike. That's not shooting him from a distance. No. Like no no disrespect to like snipers and those guys. They've seen stuff, but it's like right. there's something as like you know warfare pre gun all yeah. up close and personal. It's crazy. Kind
2: of kind of reminds me of that saying: Beware the old man in a world where men die young.
0: Dude, you are full of so many good quotes. <laughs> like, I, like for the listeners, I looked up David on on uh, on Facebook, and I looked up a couple of his quotes and stuff. And, you know, like, if you all remember Facebook and MySpace, everybody, when they set up their profile, they would go put in their favorite quotes. Because Quote. I think yeah. it had a place to prompt you to yeah, do that. Yeah, it did. And I remember my MySpace page, like, I got a MySpace page right when MySpace was dying, like, in 2006 and no. seven. Um, and I put in like quotes and stuff, but I loved yours. You had a CS Lewis quote. Do you remember? Uh, which I one do. Yeah,
2: let me, let me look it back up yeah. just, just I, to yeah. to get it right. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is one of my favorite ones from him, but it says a man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him. than a lunatic can put out the sum by scribbling the words darkness on the walls of his cell. I love that. I, I mean, I'm, that just always spoke to me. Cause I'm like, you can believe whatever you want mm-hmm, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But like, you can't change the truth.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and how many times and not to, you know, I, I love that quote. I, I, it's an amazing quote, not to detract from it, but you ever think that that's the way you get with buyers that have unrealistic expectations. Yeah. You can think whatever you want to about going into this. It does not change the fact that you cannot offer 20 grand under asking, ask for closing costs and expect to get this house or, sure. or whatever. So I think that was one of the questions I had that I sent to all of y'all. Um, setting expectations. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that recent experiences y'all have had with struggles of setting the buyer's expectations and butting
1: heads with them. Yeah. I I think right now it's that's a really big uh, topic talking with buyers is the expectation or expectations on what goes on. Maybe not necessarily in the buying process when you're under contract. It's more so the expectation of Hey, when we're looking at houses, if this is one that you really, really like and it checks eighty percent of the boxes, we've got to write an offer right now. And that's not me or an agent being pushy to you; Um, it's us telling you the truth. Because in an hour, in this market, it's probably going to be gone. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, really setting that expectation with buyers is is a really, really big deal. And two, like the price of homes you know that's totally changed and Mm -hmm. so it's it's really really funny when you get young buyers and parents are trying to you know be supportive and help yeah and you know they'll still say well you know my mom or dad said when they bought a house they bought it for like 80 dollars a square foot yeah with all due
2: respect yeah
1: it's just like (laughs) hey i get that and yeah six years ago yeah Probably could have. Yeah, I've seen Back to the Future too. I yeah. would love yeah. to do that. I That's would love right. to go back. Yeah, right. i was like, yeah, I wish I could have held on to my first house that I bought in 2010 yeah. because I bought it for 109 thousand dollars. Yeah, and chocolate right. bars used to be as thick as a phone book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That house, that my first house that I bought, probably worth 160 now. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's insane. So yeah, I mean it's a really big deal to set expectations with buyers. Cause it's, it's no longer, I mean, you're really doing a disservice to buyers. If, if you, as an agent, if you're just going out and just showing them houses yeah. and you're not sitting down with them in the very beginning and yep. setting that, Hey, this is what we need to do yeah. in this market.
2: Cause really you're setting them up for failure if you don't, yeah, you know, and that's, that's the part that I try to remember is that you know it's it's been just as much of an adjustment for agents as it has been for buyers because you know a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, their expectations probably were right, yeah. You know, you could go in and you would call the listing agent and ask them about an offer, and they're like, Yeah, no, we don't have one, and so you negotiate down. And so, I think we're getting been, closing
1: costs, yeah, for exactly, a buyer.
2: yeah, for a yeah. first time home buyer. Some so it's been just as, as as much of an adjustment for agents and having to learn. How to coach people through that? Yeah. Because you know, it, it, it was hard for me personally to be like, "Man, if I want to buy this personal house for me, I'm going to have to offer them fifteen thousand dollars over what they're asking." I'm like, "Ooh, that hurts." And I then you're like wondering,
0: that. "Am I going to get that back?" Yeah, anywhere? exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah. And so I do. You know, you have to, yes, have that that kind of hardline sense of you can believe whatever you want but you also have to be able to put yourself in their shoes and be like, okay, I can feel what you're feeling. So how can I coach you
0: through that? Yeah. You got to have some empathy. Yeah. And you know, it's, I'm a very nostalgic person. Like Sawyer, my business partner tells me all the time. I'm probably one of the most nostalgic people he's ever met. I have a lot of nostalgia for like late nineties, early 2000 Mm -hmm. stuff. You ever get nostalgic for what it was like when you first got into real estate? Like for some of the ways things were, like you ever talk with people, like man, I remember when we used to get this paid for. This used to happen. I remember ten day option periods. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, big one is uh, probably like the title policy for sure. I mean, that's, you to tell that's what's hard. changed on that. So used to, and um, mainly like state of Texas, used to the sellers ninety percent of the time were willing. Mm-hmm. I would say ninety nine percent of the time yeah. would pay the title policy. Which that's where the you know the title company checks, make sure there's no like liens or anything against the property, and usually that was a seller expense. Um, now it's the buyer willing to pay for that, and they usually range anywhere from a thousand to eighteen hundred bucks, depending on the sales price of the house. Yeah, but. I mean, that's money that goes directly. So in a competitive offer situation, that's money that goes straight back to the seller. Yep. Don't have to go up on the sales price. If you know if you don't have to, you can put money straight back to them mm-hmm. and acquire that as a cost yeah. as a buyer. Um, I mean, that's probably one thing where it's just like, wow. And sometimes you can get it covered by the seller just kind of depends on the house and yeah, how many how days it's, been, it's been, been on the market. market. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, when it's competitive, yeah. it is 100% of buyer paying.
2: Yeah. And everything in our market is skewed to the seller right now. I mean, oh, yeah. it just, it is 100% when, when you're writing a contract, like you, if you want any shot of winning, you have to skew everything in favor of the seller if yeah. you want any kind of a chance.
0: And, and that's where I've I've struggled too with with some of that stuff because on the inspector side, you know, I used to get annoyed when I kept hearing, I've got a three-day option. I've got a seven-day option. I've got a five-day mm-hmm. option. And in my mind, I could not process, like, why is this such a big selling point? Yep, yep. Because I'm thinking, you know, okay, it's a couple of less days. But when when I started to see how competitive the market was, I'd be talking to Lane or somebody. It, it started to just click that you really have to do everything you possibly mm-hmm. can to make that look good. Because sure. that's that's almost like your resume Yep, and, and the homeowner is like, who's going to hire you. Yeah. So it's yeah. That's it.
2: Cause I mean, shortening, shortening that thing up is less liability for the seller, mm-hmm. you know? So the shorter you can go, the more likely they are to get what they're after, you know? Mm-hmm. And
0: I actually got into a 10 day option on an inspection a week ago.
1: Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was like, I found gold. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, what you're probably about to see too is on offers is what they'll do is they're going to waive their option period. Right. They'll still do an inspection. Right. Just, you got to know. And I mean, technically you can ask, you can ask for repairs yeah. from the seller without an option. Period. Yeah. They just, just don't have to do it. Y- yeah. They yeah. can, you still lose your earnest money. Right. Yeah. If you decide to terminate or something, you yeah. lose your, so if there was like a big ticket item, like an HVAC system yeah. went out, um, and you know, buyers can fight to try to get their earnest money back. I, so I mean, it can be, it can get complicated, but, you're fixing to start see buyers starting to do that to make their offer just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already happening in Austin and they've been oh, yeah. doing it for that way, probably the past three or four years. Mm-hmm. So it's going to catch on here. Um, it'll just take a couple of agents doing it. And then yeah. cause it, that's what happened with the title policy. It just took a couple of agents writing offers that way. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else kind of caught on. Yep. It's inspectors are the exact opposite. Like a couple of us start doing things. We're like, you guys are idiots. We're
0: not, <laughs> not going to do that. <laughs> well, there's been like a company in town. I won't mention their name. And I don't mean that they're idiots. I really don't mean that, but they've done some different stuff. Like they've right. added a bunch of new services and like all kinds of bells and whistles. And I'm, you know, I'm all about doing extra stuff to help them. But you know, sometimes I can't help, but wonder how much of it is snake oil, you know, right. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of us can get like, y'all don't know how things work here yeah like the big one here is payment at closing Mm -hmm. i call other um inspectors from out of town and we'll get to talking and then i'll just say it in passing that oh yeah i'm collecting this one at closing and it's like lobsters are crawling out of my ears like they Hmm. they don't know how to take it because lubbock west texas in general is one of the few places that still does that
2: oh i always thought that was a normal thing they've been doing that ever since i got into real estate i thought so Mm -hmm. too
0: but then when i call these other places they're like how how can you sustain that? I'm like, yeah, I have, a,
2: you have enough business.
0: Well, yeah, that, that too. But I have a harder time collecting payment from buyers, um, you know, via credit card or check than I do through the title company. The yeah. way I look at it is it's, um, I kind of like it because it's a, you know, we, we talk about 90 days out business. Mm-hmm. Once you get to doing it long enough, you have a steady influx of checks. Plus, yeah. I don't have to pay credit card processing fees and all that kind of stuff. And Well, and it's almost
2: guaranteed payment for you because all you have to true. do is send the invoice to the title company and you know they'll put it on the closing
0: disclosure. Exactly. So, you don't have to fight to collect. There has been two times where I did, and this is rare, and I'm not disagreeing, but sure. there, there have been two times where the buyer, and I didn't realize they could do this, but the buyer actually told the title company, do not pay the inspection out of my earnest money. And the title company Hmm. did that. And when we heard that, I was like, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, neither did I. And so apparently that's something that can happen. I'm gonna pitch something to you about stocks and how it compares to the real estate market because I've thought about this for a bit. So when you buy stocks, you usually buy low and then you hold it until the price rises to a certain point. And then you sell at the tip top of the market. Mm-hmm. And that's usually because of whatever whatever reason. And then that's where you make your profit. What I'm noticing right now in real estate is that people have been buying and buying and buying. And prices of homes have been rising and rising and rising. And you kind of parallel the home to be like the stock. And with rising interest rates, my understanding is as the interest rate rises, the home price inevitably is going to go down as a result of some of that, not necessarily. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. I mean, most
2: economists are predicting this to be at least a five to eight year trend. Really? Yeah. And what they're saying, and Lane, like, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but we're, we're in a legitimate housing shortage. Yeah. So I think, um, NBC put out an article that said, we're short 5 million houses nationwide. Wow. And so, you know, I don't think it's like Two thousand eight, where some bubble's gonna pop. I think the fact is, is that new construction and everything and materials and all that gets so behind because of COVID that new construction now can't catch us up. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and what you got to look at comparing this housing market to say two thousand and eight, two thousand eight. That what was wrong with that market is that was bad loans by lenders, right? Yeah, we, we, we were talking we were about, to, yeah, when you had to bail out banks and things like that. That was that was just pure poor decisions on loans and giving money to people that didn't qualify mm-hmm. um this is a totally different situation because it is purely just we don't have enough houses for the number of buyers that yep. we have yeah so yep. we have an oversaturated market and buyers which we always do in lubbock mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm talking just our market specifically Yeah, because of the growth rate yeah right. Right. we it's just saying you know from Tech wanting to grow the enrollment to, you know, 50,000 students. So you have the Dallas, Austin, Houston parents or any, any state looking to buy a house for their kid versus renting an apartment or renting a house. Um, cause then they know, Hey, I can have two of his friends live and they basically pay the mortgage yeah and I get a house for three or four years and then I'll turn around and sell it. Yeah. Um, so I mean it, it, and then the growth with, you know, our hospitals, um, just the, uh, um, the plants that are being built here, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just pulling people in, and people across the country are realizing, oh, West Texas is kind of a nice place to be. Cost yeah. of living's down, even with inflation, mm-hmm. it's our know, cost of living. And low.
2: you know, they're they're projecting that Lubbock will hit that half a million mark by like twenty thirty nine, and in the trends, if they look at how cities grow, once you hit that half a million mark, you'll double that in the next five years. Wow! So you know, I just. If anything, maybe once we get to that kind of tip top that you're talking about, I think things may level down, mm-hmm. but I don't see them dropping. Right. I don't see
1: prices coming down. Well, yeah. And significantly. Yeah. And you got the the comparables or comps that are out there on homes that have sold. Yeah. Um, any savvy person that gets on and, and kind of can get an idea of what the market looks like, yeah. they're going to know kind of what mm-hmm. their house. Yeah, those comps aren't going away. Right. No. They're yeah. there to stay. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: They're not. Yeah. They're not. And today's buyer is way more educated. That's the other thing.
0: Everybody's way more educated mm-hmm. today. Like everybody's an expert today yep. in the worst ways and in the best ways. Correct. Right. right. Correct. It's like every bit of information you could ever want is on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, y'all ever get on YouTube and think, man, if I had this when I was a kid and like I was driven as a kid, like there's a lot of worse things about the internet if you had us as a kid, yeah. but, but if you had it and you were driven, like you
1: could, learn to do just about anything.
2: Anything you want. Oh
1: yeah. man, there's a there's a kid that's on there. I think he's like 3 or 4. I mean, he's not ten, not even 10. Let's just say that. And he all he does is review toys. Oh yeah, yeah. This I know who you're kid, talking about. This kid made like I think it was last year. He made like $20 million. Yeah. Good night. As a toddler. Well, his parents made that. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think they're paying him. Right, right. But can you, can you Child think Child labor laws uh, yeah, much? Right. <laughs> you think about your kid? Like, yeah. I have a six-year-old. Uh-huh. I can't imagine, like, that would be insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's like It's like Mozart. You know, people are like, oh, he's a prodigy.
0: He was able to do this at this age. It's like, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but it's like we're producing an age where the- There's no age limit on achieving amazing feats anymore, and it's all because of the internet.
2: Well, and it all affects business, too, if you think about it, right? Because so used to be before the advent of the internet, if I needed to uh, change out the blower motor on my wife's car, I would take it to the shop and have them change out the blower motor. Now I go buy the part and I get on a YouTube video and I change it myself.
0: Exactly. You know, and so... Type in Toyota Corolla twenty thirteen, blower yep. motor replace, somebody out there. It's right under the glove box. You drop the glove box, three screws, plug it in, you're done. Bam. Yeah.
2: So I mean, the the way things are going right now is is it's gonna affect people's businesses. Now the nice thing for us in real estate is you have to carry a license. So <laughs> you, yeah, you can't just hop in and start we have doing that, whatever you want. That one
0: final bulwark that's in the way. Yeah. We need to right. keep that there. Yeah you know, I had somebody th- that, that, ties into something that somebody was telling me a few weeks ago. Um, when I made, uh, the other podcast that I was doing for our church and it was long form podcast, you know, two and a half hours conversation, hour and a half long conversation. And somebody said, I don't want to listen to that. And immediately in my mind, I thought, okay, that's fine. That's, that's cool. But there are millions of people who do. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, is I, is that's the thing about the internet age is you no longer have to run a business based on who's around you immediately. You're running a business based on, you know, depending on what business you're in, because real estate, you have to think about your local market. But Mm -hmm. if it's a media-based business, you're running that based on whatever people out there are interested in that media. Mm -hmm. Take, I just got into griddling recently. I got a Blackstone griddle for Christmas. There's a, a, a couple of guys on YouTube that do nothing but griddle. And they've got one video of them making chicken fried rice. It's got eight hundred and fifty thousand views on. it. That's crazy. And their channel only has only you know a hundred thousand subscribers. Right. But they got that eighty five eight hundred and fifty thousand views when their channel had seventy five thousand sure. subscribers. Yeah. So I can't imagine the ad revenue that they're making. Oh, it's that. crazy.
2: It's crazy. All that ties into marketing too, though. Because, yeah. um, what I can't remember the stat, but it's it's something like when. Today's because the way today's generation is, they're so just on to the next thing. Yeah, you know, like if you don't grab their attention and within eight seconds, you're done. They're they're on to the next. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like you have to look at all these trends and everything and really put that into business into your business and yeah. understand. You know, because I'm not savvy on YouTube or TikTok or any of these things where mm-hmm. people are really going to start to market. Yeah. But I could definitely ask my 13-year-old how to do it, and he could tell me.
0: That is one of of the advantages, for sure, having younger kids. Y'all's kids, again,
1: uh, Lane, you got two. I've got two. I've got a six-year-old daughter and three and a half. Well, he's older than three and a half, but birthday's in June. Hardly Hardly any gray hairs, too. That's... Yeah. That's impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> Actually get in front of the mirror and have to pluck it out of the beard. Yeah. So yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my wife noticed me doing that to mine the other day. I do mean, that
2: <laughs> pull all the white
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's because it's just like it's it's one random ostentatious just in your face <laughs> like right in the middle and just everybody sees it and they're like
1: oh you got gray in your beard you're like no. get out of here and mine's man. not the Point beautiful gray yeah. it's the ugly gray it's yeah.
0: like no pluck it out mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. david you've got i've two. got two
2: yeah two. i've got a 13 year old son uh, almost 11 year old daughter
0: nice Yep. And you do have some gray hairs. And, yeah.
2: It's like all through here. Yeah. B- believe me, he'll yeah. go gray. <laughs> it's
0: already happening right here. Your time is coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I'm sure. just, I'm just losing mine right here. I have a very yeah. scary forehead. And so my hairline just <laughs> runs away from it. It's That's like, why
2: God invented hats, man.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've got, I've got the one right now and he's coming up on two. So he's just a house plant with legs. He's yep. A, reverse Roomba we call him he, yeah. he just goes around the house <laughs> dirtying stuff tears up. everything doesn't get yeah. better I'll tell you that I know uh-uh. last night we had are y'all
1: having your second one
0: we are yeah yeah. yeah. When's, when, are, when is when? When is she due uh, she is due um, October 25th awesome. so our first one took over my birthday he was born on May 17th okay he took over my birthday that's your birthday yep he was, huh. yeah. it's
2: my brother's birthday oh.
0: It's a very popular birthday in our church too. We've got is like it? eight people in our congregation that have birthdays on May 17th wow. and That's crazy two of those eight, no three of those eight are little kids. So yeah. my birthday technically doesn't exist. Uh-huh. If yep. you're fighting for birthdays with them, you're, you're not even, gonna you're be not going to win. No. Yeah. And, uh, and so October is our anniversary month. And if we follow the same pattern with how early John Mark came, he came two weeks early. Um, if this one comes two weeks early or any earlier, there's a potential that this next one could take over our anniversary date. Oh, good. Wow. So it's like, yeah, we just don't have any important dates in our life
2: anymore. Yep, Yep. No, no. know, kids. And kids will do that
0: regardless of when they're born. Pretty much. So. Yep. How do you balance kids and self-employment?
1: That's hard. Talk to a rookie here because I'm I'm still learning. well, David's wife too is is kind of self employed. My wife just um, started her uh, private practice in counseling. She's she's a licensed professional counselor, so she just started that role uh, May first, kind of doing doing the private practice stuff full time. And so both of us being self employed, you know, it does give a little bit better balance on schedules, just because like she usually knows like these are when my clients are going to be here i'm a little more probably of a maverick where something could pop up in an hour and i've got to go run and do a showing yeah so the fact that both of us kind of have open schedules it it helps a little bit but there are times where it's still kind of it's hectic for sure butts up with you know who's going to go get the kid kids today at five o'clock yeah kind of looking at each other like i can go get them at Four, yeah. And then yeah. you're going to have to be home very quickly. Yeah. Cause I've yeah. got to go do a showing at yeah. five 30 or yeah. I've got to run up and mm. get in my office to see a client. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a
2: lot harder for him cause his are younger. You yeah. know, we're, we're to the point now, which is nice where, you know, we can kind of, Leave them at home for a little bit by yeah, themselves. The nice themselves. thing is my wife works from home. Um, she works for a mortgage company in Austin. She's done a, a
0: lot of stuff in real estate. She's, if, if her, she's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, if there. her if her profile is correct, like yep. I looked at hers is, didn't she work for Daily Eighty Transaction Coordination? Yeah, yeah, mortgage and did she ever have her real estate license?
2: No, okay. no. But she so uh, she started out actually as a transaction coordinator in 2014 at Keller Williams with the Townsley Group uh and then i got my license and well she moved to diana romans when she was at coldwell first okay. and then i got my license and then we were both on diana's team for gosh almost 5 years okay. i think um and then she uh got the opportunity to go to daily 80 and mm-hmm. kind of you know she did that just um, because it gave her the opportunity to grow her business and yeah. and the potential that she could have and, and whatnot. And then she got offered this job with a mortgage company she's working for. So yeah, she she kinda took that and she's gotten three promotions in a year. It's pretty crazy. So wow.
1: I'm, I'm proud of her. So you but, could say she's she's pretty driven. Oh Lord yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't both of y'all work used to you work with your wife, don't you, Jackson? N- not anymore, no, no. Okay. So
0: Evan Evan used to uh she used to be pseudo um, office manager answering some phones right. and stuff and scheduling orders for me um, and Haley uh, Sawyer's wife did the same thing for a little bit but yeah. no she she stays home with, with the baby um, uh, right now my mother-in-law is, is right. our yeah. okay? Yeah, she. Right. I, I employ my mother-in-law, folks. So that tells you how how smart <laughs> I am from a business standpoint. No, my mother-in-law is amazing. She's she's the best. I have the greatest
1: mother-in-law. No offense to other mother-in-laws, but mine's mine's awesome. Yeah. Um. I can't. I couldn't imagine me and my wife working together. I don't. It, it takes a special dynamic. It's something else, I, man. Like I, you, she can barely put up with me. Yeah. <laughs> even when I'm home or like on the weekend, David yeah, knows. Yeah. What, like we all hang out together. He
0: knows. I don't want to go to the office with you. Yeah. yeah it's like it's I, it's definitely. I got to go home to
1: this. Too. Hard.
2: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's definitely tough. But you you uh, you have to be able to separate work and home. You do.
0: Yeah. For sure. And that was the biggest struggle when the inspection business took off. Like I don't do it as much anymore, but my mind was just running all yeah. the time. What ideas can I implement? What more can I do to grow the business? And I, there were nights I couldn't sleep oh, yeah, because yeah. I'm just constantly thinking about it. And, and she was like, you got to slow down, mm. go, go do something, go play golf. Go. It's like, I I cannot shut it off. It's like,
1: it's almost like a drug. I mean, you got you in in our world and you're in it too. You, you have to do that. You have to take some time One hundred. or you will burn yourself out and you will be out of this business in two years. That happened to me in early 2021.
0: I was burnt out. I was doing 15 inspections a week. Mm -hmm. I could not think about anything else. I could not separate my thought process from anything but
1: work Mm -hmm. and there are people that do that and that good for them they just have that personality i'm not one of those i'm not that person i'm like how i want to be like how you know quality wise. like i want to be able to do it fast and Uh do the amount and do good work and everything but i want to get it done quickly so i can take time to go do whatever go play golf go on vacation um so yeah i mean you you how to be able to do that in this business or you'll just run yourself around. Well, and the it. fact
2: of the matter is when you get to that point where you're burned out, you're not serving anybody at a high level.
0: Yeah. No, you can't. No. Cause you're, too, you're, you, you, the part of your brain that's thinking about quality control. It got burnt out a yep. long time, ago. A long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I was so, I was so happy that we were able to separate, you know, it's still family, but separate immediate, you know, husband and wife. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't do it. No offense to people who do it that way, but. I'm not strong enough to do that or I'm sure. just not wired to do that. Sure. And I'm grateful that she's able to stay home. She may want to go back to work someday, but right now we're kind of in that stage where I'm making decent money. Um, she doesn't have to work. So it's nice to keep her at home with the baby. And yeah. she's she's always wanted to be a homemaker. That's always been her dream. So I'm happy to do that. And it's nice too because I can ask her to go, you know, do something for me in the right. middle of the day. Right. She can just take off and go do it. And, you know, I also do have to remind myself She does have a very very difficult job to raising the kid at home, Uh, but that's probably
2: the hardest job there is to be quite honest. Well, and I kind of yeah
0: yeah. Yeah. But but there's there's a joke on that same line of thinking, and I'm not trying to be irreverent to the job of a mother (laughs) because it it is a a very hard job. But there was a comedian uh, that said Bill Burr. I know exactly who you're talking about. You know, you this. just incriminated I, me, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I
2: haven't heard this. So, do,
0: do so he tell. says, he says, you know, I hear all these, all these ladies talking about. Oh, she's. It was Oprah that said, and hey, my next guest. Is a stay-at-home mom, and she has the hardest job ever. And Bill Burr just rips into her and says, "Oh, really? I thought roofing in July as a redhead was the hardest job ever." And, and you know, he's he's one of those guys. that's like he's going to take pop shots at anybody. Right? Nobody is sacred with him. And I was like, I see your point, but
1: be careful, man. Yeah, careful. yeah. Be yeah. careful. Back he's up. Oh yeah, he definitely does that to get the the crowd. <laughs> he, he does. He's he's hilarious. And you know, he says it. He's like. Dude, none of my stuff is researched. I don't think about stuff before I say right, it. I right, right. It's yeah. just off the cuff. I just want to get a reaction out of yeah, everybody. Yeah, exactly. he gets a reaction. Well, yeah. and I just remembered that our team was Sturt and Lindsay. Yeah. They're married work right, together. They're so married work together. Yeah. Are, <laughs> these like, sa- are these soundproof walls? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that I was like, I can't imagine my brother. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. My laughs> he yeah. does it. My yeah. brother does it every day. It's really funny if, if yeah. we're in a meeting and stuart and Lindsay get into an argument or something you can kind of tell it's like all the kids at the dinner table and they're like mom and dad are fighting <laughs> i just saw both of y'all's resignation letters coming yeah. at the door here
0: you'll <laughs> <laughs> see a facebook post i yeah, oh, yeah. just joined a new company yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so happy for this opportunity <laughs> so that's another thing too that i see a, a lot in our market and i'm sure it's uh popular in other places too but I wouldn't call it agent attrition, but, um, agent lateral movement mm. frequency. Like there's a lot of, and I, I don't know, and I don't mean lateral, like in terms of every company is the same. I just mean just jumping from one brokerage to the next, to yeah. the next. And it's funny, the perception that you get from that, from the outside looking in, you ever notice that everybody who sees an agent that jumps from one brokerage to the next or one team to the next they comment on the post like it's a promotion. Right. Like, you know, congratulations. And, you know, maybe it is. Maybe they got a better split. Maybe better lead opportunities. Whatever. That's fine. It's just funny that perception where on the inside you're just thinking, oh, cool, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an an adventure. It's great. But that's just a funny perception thing that I noticed. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and and sometimes when you see agents that are moving brokerages, it, it could be something as simple like, hey, you know, I've got some friends over there that I'd like to go and work with them at that brokerage or, you know, the technology or training mm. that that brokerage offers yeah, uh, to us around. to, yeah, to help and grow our business and get us growth minded. Mm-hmm. That could be a big reason. Um, but yeah, when you, yeah, it is definitely like when you're just moving brokerages, it's like you said, it's just a lateral move. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that is something that you do see in, in our world. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Pretty often. Yeah, very
0: often. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, if I, I couldn't imagine a world where inspectors did that, like if we had, because Lubbock only has, I think, three firms, inspector firms that I know of. There's there's not that, like you don't see inspectors posting, just move to a new place because we're so, not that realtors aren't independent minded, but it's like inspectors are almost independent minded to a fault, yeah. like you know but also too, we don't have to have a broker. you know there's that too. We don't have to have anybody that holds our license for that but um, yeah, it's just funny the, the perception difference in that and, and that makes me think too about the whole self-employment thing. Do you think right now we have more people who are self-employed than we ever have in modern American history? Like we're not talking about the people who used to farm all the time. right We're talking about in the modern industrial revolution era, do we have more people from your perception? that are self-employed.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Cause I think it goes back to when you were talking about what you can do media wise with the internet. I mean, yeah, yeah. This generation, they don't need this or our generation, however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. They don't need to sit in an office and work nine to five. Yeah. Mm Um, and just because, you know, somebody can do their job in four hours doesn't mean that they're not working. Um, if they've got the expertise and the training and they know what they're doing, like good for you like great job yeah if you yeah. can streamline your business and what you're doing and you can cut out a lot of stuff because i guarantee you somebody that works at an office nine to five like if you really sat down on their day-to-day for like monday through friday for 40 hours i guarantee you they're only actually doing probably about 25 hours 25 hours worth of work love, and I think love the, the office space reference yeah. by the way yeah. and i and i you can um you can look at it, too, from when we went and we had COVID and we were working from home. I mean, people didn't have to work. They were able to get their jobs done in a timely manner because, you know, you probably were at home with kids. Yep. And if you sat down for two or three hours a day, you got your stuff done. Mm-hmm. So I think people figured that out, too. And employers, too, like, OK, well, maybe we don't need to have an office building maybe we can cut some costs off and keep people from working from home. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm seeing from people that are moving from like Washington state, Oregon, California. They are like, yeah, I had to be out there cause that's where the office was, but I can do, they've realized I can do this from home. Mm-hmm. So now I can live wherever I want. I bet you that cuts down on office space expenses well, too yeah, for the 100%. business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean so, the,
0: the internet is like this endless Space of, of real estate workspace basically yep. it, it connects us and it's like we've been underutilizing it and I think it's because we really didn't know how to utilize it yeah. I mean it's it's a fairly recent
1: invention well yeah I mean, but and then you've also got the you know like our parents you know old school minded mm-hmm. like you know you're in the office Monday through Friday you work forty to fifty hours a week mm-hmm. um, you know even the you got to be in a suit and tie. Yeah. that's and you're starting to see that the, the you know the and tie things slowly slipping away oh yeah yeah um, you still see it out here just you know west west texas still kind of old school on some stuff which yeah. is cool but you're starting to see that slowly slip away yeah um but yeah to like the self-employed is yeah way way high and it's pretty cool well and yeah. i think COVID forced people into figuring
2: that out uh <clears throat> And so one of the, like, if you've ever read Tony Robbins book, money, master the game, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that he said is, is kind of about the mindset of our parents where it's like, you work 95 for 30 years, get your pension and then retire. And that's just not what today's person wants to do, you know? And so I could, and again, no offense to anybody that works an hourly job, but I could never go back to it. I can't either. Because I'm like, number one, I'm in complete control of how much money I make. Number two, I'm in, for the most part, complete control of my schedule, mm-hmm. and I, I'm i just not going to do it.
0: I, I can't. It I was c- scary at first. Yeah.
2: I mean, I was scared to death jumping to not having any kind of a set
0: income. Walk me through that, by the way. That's another thing. Walk me through like the what led up to that decision to get into real estate, both of you.
2: Sure, yeah. So, you know, I had kind of been all over the place just trying to find what would provide for my family and Uh what fit me. And, you know, I did everything from mortgage to welding and um, water treatment stuff too. Like there's some kind of, yep. Did that for, for a while. Um, all great experience, Mm -hmm. you know, it was all great experience. Um, in 2015, Candace had just gone over to Diana's team and, and really I have to give her the credit for that because She came home and didn't even ask. She said, you're getting your real estate (laughs) (laughs) license." Okay, why? And she goes, because you'll be good at it. And so, you know, I kind of did it and she had already endorsed me doing that full time. And so I went into it and, you know, it was a bit of a struggle for a while. Um, But there was just always that dangling carrot of, you know, I can make as much as I Mm want if I work as hard as I need to. you know? And so that was kind of just the decision for me. And, and when things really kind of changed for me, when, when I joined Lindsay's team, it was just really an eye opening deal of just like, man, this is really out here to get. And it's something that I can actually attain. And now, I mean, you'll have to pry my dead fingers off it because I'm not (laughs) going back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure you use all that information you learned in real estate school every day, lot block subdivision, all that kind of stuff surveying knowledge 100
2: percent, yeah yeah it's (laughs) just kind of kind of like the algebra i learned in high school exactly exactly yeah Yeah.
0: so if you're listening and you're thinking about getting your Um, license you don't worry if as you're struggling to learn all those yeah needless no no
1: no they're needful they're needful you got you got
2: to have them yeah
0: yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you blaine so uh yeah i have always been in sales um even when i was in college i was in sales um So I, how I got started, um, Lindsay, my sister-in-law, she had her license. She actually started in 2008. Uh (laughs) Um, yeah, she, she started in the fun time. Yeah. So, uh, my brother and I worked, uh, for a, uh, banking equipment company together with our dad. Yeah. Um, I did that for four and a half years. Uh, just got kind of tired of the travel stuff. Um, cause I'd leave early Tuesday back on Thursdays and I would cover, I covered Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas and parts of Oklahoma. So the travel just kind of wore on me, um, changed jobs and went and worked for a friend that bought a Xerox company here. Um, did that for a couple of years and then went to an IT solutions company. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, that it, it just, the last job was the IT job. It just wasn't a fit for me. Um, Caught on pretty quick that it wasn't, and my Lindsay had kind of talked to me about, hey, you should get your license, and had and had been trying to get me to do it over the years, and I just didn't understand, you know, anything about real estate or you know how you make money on that or anything, but I think one day we were at a family deal, family dinner or something, and I just mentioned that I wasn't happy where I was and um, it or just wasn't working, and we had lunch the next day and she was like okay what would be your goal in in income like what would you want to make so I told her and she sat down and she was like okay this is what you would have to do in breaking order, it down. yeah in order to make it and when you see it broken down like that you're like oh man I I can do that that's just, that's easy so I mean started working on my license in March of 2017 did it like just slowly just because I was doing it at home and I was on the. I started real estate in in June of 2017 or mm-hmm. May 2017. So been here five years since. Nice.
0: Yeah. I remember walking into Lindsay's old office uh, when y'all were still at Keller, mm-hmm. um, second floor, uh, Trafalgar, Finnish Township. Yep. yep. And I remember walking in there and just like just got my inspector's license, and I was like, I'll just go market to the to the old team that I was on. Yep. And. Lindsay said, Oh yeah, Lane's been looking for a for an inspector. I'm like,
1: Huh. <laughs> Here we go.
0: And and I know you've used other guys too. And, and you know, I understand like we all don't have like exclusive relationships in the
1: business or anything, but it was just it was neat how that worked well, out. Well, it was it was purely a timing thing on your yeah. part because yeah. the guy that we had primarily used on our team just he couldn't fit it into a schedule. Yeah. And we were kind of in a time crunch situation. So I remember you walking in and I was like give me your card with your email. I'll send you all the information and I need it done tomorrow. And, and it, luckily I was just like, uh, yeah. in the business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cause the, the guy that we had been using yeah. that that's the only person that I knew cause I just started on the team. That's who Stuart and Lindsay told me to use. So I yeah. was like, okay. And yeah. he just didn't have time. Yeah. And so lo and behold, it, it ended up working out.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I'm finding out that the time thing is becoming probably the biggest marketing Yep. deal right now can you get to when I've uh two days ago I was in Slayton and the agent is is funny he'll probably listen to this podcast he's he's funny uh but he he walks up and he's got a stake in one hand and a hammer in the other I'm like oh you're and I didn't know he was the agent at the time I said hey are you the surveyor because I'm putting two and two together and he looks at me and goes I'm way more friendly than a surveyor what are you talking about (laughs) I've never met a bad well actually no I've met a bad surveyor but but anyway um And, and I just told, told him who I was. He told me who he was. He said, you have a card, gave him a card. And all I said was, yeah, we, we hired a new guy. I didn't even say anything about the new guy's experience level. I just said, we can get to you within two to three business days right now. Yeah. Done. New relationship right then and there. And like that's shifted my focus from where I'm putting that shifted my mindset from where I'm putting my focus on what I'm marketing. I'm trying to push more. We can get to you quick. We're still saying we can do a good job. I mean, that's not going away, but I'm pushing the quick side of things. Yep.
1: Well, and right now, I think in in, in our world, it's all about timing. Yeah. Time is of the essence. And I don't care what business you're in or what job you do. If you're providing a service to somebody, which every job does, yeah, it is all about that person's time. How much time can you save me or how quick can you get to me? It's all about if, speed. Yeah. If it's you don't meet my expectations, I'll go find somebody else that can. Yeah. Now, I mean,
2: even coming down to can you get them into a showing in time to see it before it goes under contract. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I never thought about that, about how y'all have to deal with your with your back against the mm-hmm. wall on stuff like that. Like I'm sitting here thinking nobody understands what it's like to be the inspector that Is saying, man, I'm booked through the rest of the week. I can't get to you. Now I'm going to lose your business. Like, no, it's, you know, I bet you during 2020 and 2021, that was probably a big problem. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd love to show you the house, but I've got X number of showings. I've got closings,
1: Mm -hmm. whatever. And I just can't get to it. Yep. Well, and there was a time where, Sellers would only let agents in. So you had to virtually tour the buyers right. time, Like on FaceTime or Snapchat. Or, I forget so. COVID was a thing. Yeah. It right. is a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah,
2: Which makes me very happy that we're
0: forgetting about it, that. It does. Know. Like all of a sudden a, a war happens. Yeah. And, and it goes away. It goes away. It's yeah. amazing how that. Yeah. Because of science. We yes. are shifting <laughs> now to a political podcast. Right. Yeah. yeah. Science. yeah.
2: <laughs> a political pandemic. mm uh-huh.
0: Oh man. But yeah, I mean, great. Now I'm going to get demonetized. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm yeah, just kidding. Just, I'm not monetized. No,
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's, it's all about the timing. And then you build a relationship from there, yep. which I think it was reversed probably, you know, 10 years ago, you had For to build sure. a relationship and kind of get a little rapport with somebody. And then you got their business. Now yeah. it's, Hey, I'll give you a shot. Just if go show me this to, house. If you, I'll give you a shot. Yeah. And if you do quality stuff,
0: You know, yeah. Let's rock and roll. The relationship comes after the shot. It's not relationship then shot. Correct. It's like the relationship is still as important as it ever was. But it's like I can't afford to frankly get to know you and trust you before I give you a shot. Like I just need it. Uh So that's it. And and I've talked to other older inspectors in the business um, that they built their business on the concept of handshakes, look them in the eye, and I, I still do that too. But it's it's like we're talking about that comes later. Yeah. You know, I can't, I cannot afford to just base it off of that because like you said, times of the essence. Um, And that's another thing too, on the time of the essence thing, realistically, do you think we're ever going back
1: to 10 day options being the standard? I mean, maybe, maybe one day. Um, But if we follow the, if we follow the trend, like we have been usually Lubbock, we can kind of track what's going on in like the Austin DFW area yeah. and kind of know, like that's going to eventually be it will here. Make it it's here. going to come. Yeah. There are agents cause David don't and, tell me Austin's going to come here. No, man. no, no. Don't, just, don't. just the way the market is <laughs> just in the housing side. I you gotcha. Um, I love you, Austin. I'm I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> but the, but David and I do listings and work with buyers, mm-hmm. um, and so we kind of know. And usually, what we there's still agents out there that ask for a ten day option, mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of sits on you as the agent if you know if they're the better offer proceeds proceed wise for your seller, yeah. you can always go back to them and be like, hey, we want to go with you, but here's the deal. You gotta you gotta shorten your option period yeah, to they, match up these with these, these are the other things ones. we need. Yeah. yeah. So and that just depends on the, the mm-hmm. listing agent or the agent and how they run their business. Because yeah. not every agent does it. The and same. if the seller tells them they can do that. Right. Know. Yeah. Okay. So you know, will it go back to the norm? I I don't know. What we're what we're hearing out of the metro areas is they're tossing out the option period, mm-hmm. like just yeah. just not doing it,
2: and almost always waving the appraisal. Yeah, almost always, really. Yeah, or yep. waiving the right to terminate due to the appraisal. You can still have an appraisal done,
1: but most people are waving their right to terminate, and they'll just cover whatever the shortage yeah. is. Yeah, it's um, like
2: especially I, we we were we were uh, doing a training with an agent out of Austin, and that's what she was saying. She's like, that appraisal form is your most important form. Carry it with me in the car, and just people have to understand that if you want a shot, you have to waive your appraisal contingency. It's wow. crazy down there.
1: Yeah, That's insane. I don't know if Lubbock will ever get to that point. Yeah, I don't either. Just because, you know, we as agents, you know, need to protect buyers and sellers. So I don't know if that'll ever get here. It could very yeah. easily. Um and we tell buyers like, hey, here are your options. If you want to make a strong offer, you can throw your you can throw out the appraisal. Mm-hmm. But just know if it comes in You're liable. thirty thousand or twenty thousand yeah. dollars short or ten thousand dollars short, you gotta cover it. Man. So I mean if you've got the buyer that has the money to do that mm-hmm. and they're fine with doing that, oh yeah, a hundred percent. you know, waive the appraisal and we'll just we gotta take it on the chin. We gotta take it on the chin. See,
0: that's yeah. why that's why I don't see you ever being able to buy a house without a licensee because imagine setting all that stuff up and just totally missing that that's the case. And somebody lands now having to pay that money because you messed up and you didn't
2: well, educate I just, them on that. I just, so but that, you still have sellers doing it just because of how the market is. Yeah.
1: Well, I just had a text from a guy that he was looking to buy from a for sale by owner. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't representing him on it. I'm helping him find a house, but he said, Hey, I found this for sale by owner. I've put in just a verbal offer with them. I go, and I just told them like, Hey, you need to be careful because some for sale by owners can be very, very savvy and they know what they're doing and they will 100% take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. Like don't think just because they're nice that they're going to sure. do you right. This yeah. is business. Yeah. And people make bad business deals. Every day. Yeah. And believe
2: me, the seller's all about number one.
1: Yeah. 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 They're not looking out for you. Well, it's, it's their asset. I mean, right. They've pumped money into that for
0: years and years and years. And it's not like, oh, here comes a, a family with a new baby, newly married. And it's yep. like, all yeah. right, let's
1: help them out. No. Nope. Well, we kind of, I ran through with him cause we put an offer on another house and I kind of ran through with him. Like, well, these, these are the things you need to do on your, for sale by owner. And he was like. I had no idea. I just thought I made an offer. And this is an older guy. Like, yeah. he's in his 50s. Probably, he's probably, I think this might be the second time he's bought a house. He's lived in the same house in Dallas for years. And he just texted and said, yeah, the first sale by owner sent me, like, a two-page document as a contract. And he's no, like, no, no, I no, think no. we're going to back out of this. Yeah, yeah <laughs> So, I was careful. like, that's probably smart. That's insane. That's scary.
0: Yeah. For sure. Who's your favorite scapegoat for the bad expectations of buyers? My favorite's HGTV. <laughs> Oh
1: man, you, you you had me. I, I was thinking I was like thinking in our industry. I oh, I thought you were talking like in our industry. I was we are about say, to blast some people. I yeah. to I was about to say, appraisers. Yep. No, <laughs> it's all there. It's fault. A, it's a love hate relationship between oh, yeah. agents and. Gosh. And one of my good friends is an appraiser. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I call it, we, Our team calls him and asks him questions all the stuff. time. I mean, he's actually a really good resource. Yeah, he is a great resource, and most ninety nine percent of the appraisers are. And I'm sure yeah. not, they would say appraisers would say ninety nine percent of the agents in lubbock are great yeah um but yeah it's a definitely love hate relationship there but it's greatest yeah hgtv you think they say, yeah
2: you know it, what i think it is i think it's the seller's neighbor oh yeah they're like well my neighbor's house sold for this and you turn around and go okay well your house doesn't compare to theirs at all they have hardwood floors, granite countertops, all these different things. And you have nasty carpet. and A thousand square feet bigger than yours. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, four
0: pink bedrooms. They live and, in Austin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they know, live in Houston. Like,
2: I think it's, a, I, I really do. I think yeah. it's, it's their neighbor's house.
0: Or for the buyers, it's it's the parents who bought a house in nineteen eighty something, mm-hmm. you know, and got this or that. It's almost like the
1: dad taking the kids to. Uh, what were you saying, later? I was going to say you. And I, whenever I get that, I always remind him. I'm like, yeah ask your ask your dad what his interest rate was when he bought it. Ooh, eighteen point nine nine percent. It was a sixteen percent, but that of course, <laughs> credit card, too, a money <laughs> yeah. market account, you were getting like twelve percent. Yeah, right. return. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, you know. So now you're getting less than one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's there's give and take there, yeah. but yeah, it, it's it's kind of i don't know there's there's a number of i it guess scapegoats is. that you can say we have no shortage of people to blame no. for Ch- for chip and joanna gaines Yeah. Like, oh, oh my goodness, goodness.
0: <laughs> it's, like, it's Magn- like everybody loves them good old like, magnolia yeah man. yeah gosh oh the, the new favorite for inspectors is a uh, home inspector joe or something is that a show i guess so really huh. Well, hold on home inspector joe is that a show i guess so Man, that, that was, was awesome.
2: weird. There's the title variation yeah. for you right
0: there. Uh, but he's this, you know, he's this, you know, he's got the half sleeve tattoo. Um, you know, he's got the modern appealing look for the whole HGTV thing that a lot of other he's of them got the are,
2: hipster vibe. Yeah, on, yeah,
0: that yeah. going on. And he, uh, he's doing stuff like he's doing repairs on the house right after they buy it. So right there, violation of the trek rule: can't do repairs till twelve months after the inspection. He's really not an inspector
2: pretty what? sure y'all aren't allowed to move stuff even right
0: uh, there's some yeah there's, there's a gray, gray area, area yeah. yeah exactly I mean yeah. I mean I've had an
2: inspector call me before and he's like hey there's a box in front of the door where the water heater is in the garage uh I'm not able to get in there and I'm like
0: and that was how I got David's business. Really, yeah.
2: really dude? <laughs> like you can't just push a box. Yes. Up. Yeah. That's no, where you no, lost I'm, me. I'm not well,
0: allowed to move anything. Well, you know, there's there's inspectors that say I don't know if that vase is from the Ming Dynasty.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have no very, idea.
0: Very true. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, And you know, that happened to me once. Not Ming Dynasty. I think it was Shun No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was it was an instance where I apparently cracked a family heirloom. Oh, oh don't gosh. know what it was. Don't I? I didn't even know I did it but apparently it was in the garage and it was in a box and I was just, I didn't move the box, but I was stepping through stuff and I think maybe my foot hit the, caught something on the way out. So it's like, you know, and what I told the agent called me and she was really nice about it. Everybody was really nice about it. I didn't have to end up paying anything I offered, but I'm like, I don't know how to put a price on a family heirloom.
2: What's it worth to them?
0: Yeah. But, but this guy who's been doing this new show, um, you know, everybody's come to the conclusion and nobody's, you know, ignorant enough to look at that show and say, that's the way a home inspector should be. All of our right. guys are like, what are we gonna do? This guy's gonna set the buyers' expectations that we need to do repairs. We need to provide repair estimates and all this stuff. I'm like, he's not a home inspector. He's yeah. a remodeler. Yeah.
1: Well that fall and that falls on the that, that falls on the agent. Yeah, Like our job is to set the expectations on everything Yeah, because 99% of the time the buyer is going to lean on us to be like, True. well, I don't know an inspector. Who should I use? Well, okay. here's a list yeah. or do you want me just to get it scheduled for you? Here's who I'd recommend. Mm-hmm. And most of the time they're like, yeah, do it. So it's our expectation. And I mean, I said it with my, with my buyers, like, Hey, inspectors are not licensed anything they're not licensed electricians plumbers i mean what they're licensed inspectors licensed inspectors <laughs> guess, yeah no, so you. they're not repair guys yeah. they're not going to do, they're not going to fix anything yeah their job is to go in and make sure that the things in the house meet the standards set uh, set by the state of texas yeah that's their job mm-hmm. period so um you know anything that's on the Report We can always go back to the seller and talk about it, and we can get estimates and things like that. But the inspector's there just to give a kind of a quality control, yeah, yeah, to you, so you have an idea of make recommendations for repairs, you know, give you an idea of the condition. That's a hundred percent what I tell them. Like, the inspector's not going to tell you anything to get fixed, they are going to recommend that, hey. I've seen this in homes and I recommend that you'd probably just want somebody to come out here and at least check it out. And, and maybe it's fine. It's not a big deal, but I would at least recommend somebody coming out. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite question is, do they have to fix this?
0: Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not going to make them. Yeah. But, right. But, and I, and I hate being cheeky with them like that, but I, you know, it's, and I'm not And you know, the thing is, is that I have worked with buyers who I know for a fact the agent sets the expectation mm. yet they still ask that question sure. right and, and you know i get it there's it, it's almost like herding cats and dealing with kids you know yeah. it's it's just But that's it is almost what it
2: is. A, a you need to tell them well, you really need to discuss that
0: with your agent exactly i do that every time my favorite my second favorite question is would you buy this house I'm like yeah you just want me to never work with this agent yeah, ever again exactly. or you want this agent to never work with me again yeah, because yeah. if you want me to be honest I mean, you know, I make, I'm going to tell you straight answer. No. So I have a really, really fun way of dancing around that question. Yeah. Um, And I could go
1: into it, but we'd be here for a while because (laughs) I I dance a lot around that question. Yeah. Well, I get, we get that question too. Do you think this is a good home? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like as the agent, like we'll we'll get that question. Well, what do you think about the home? Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Number one, I'm not the one buying it. Yeah. I'm not the one going to be living in it. I'll, I'll give you like the idea of like, Hey, it kind of matches like the trend or this is what we see in homes. But Mm. I mean, ultimately I'm not the one living there. Yeah. That needs to be you. You decision. Exactly. And that again,
2: goes back to setting their expectations, Mm -hmm. right? Because in that initial meeting, you know, I'm explaining to them how the market is right now. And the fact that what you need to be looking for on your inspection report are big ticket items that are going to cost you a lot of money. HVAC plumbing, electrical roof, um, Anything other than that, that is cosmetic stuff, do not expect a seller to fix it because they won't. Yeah. And they do not have to because they they don't have to fix anything in the first place. But just because the fact is you're most likely going to be in a multiple offer situation. If you hit them with a million different little repairs, they're going to say thanks, but no thanks. You're going to terminate and they're going to go take the next offer in line. Exactly. So you've got to set that like we're not here to go through, you know, to try and pick out every tiny thing in this report. We're here to look for the big things that are really going to affect your house.
0: Yeah. And I love hearing like from the, uh, it's almost like the 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 young guy trying to be tough for his girlfriend so he can show show her you know how tough he is yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love hearing that kind of person it's usually a guy say well I'm gonna talk to them about this and make sure they get that fixed and I'm like yeah sure you are
2: have and, fun with that book. yeah
0: and, and then you know I, I talked to the agent like a week later and they're like yeah we, we got these two things fixed I'm like oh that's a shorter <laughs> list than what he told me <laughs> didn't, didn't work out for you did it yeah and you know I mean at the end of the day, it, it kind of stinks for some of the buyers because sometimes they can't, you know, they're not getting the opportunity afforded to them that would have been afforded to them 10 years ago, five years ago. But, you know, it's it's like it's a first world problem at the end of the day. You yeah. know, It's yeah. not like it's the Great Depression, you know. Yeah. I mean, I remember what it was like to get closing costs paid for. Mm-hmm. That was nice. You yeah. don't talk about nostalgia. That was nice. Yeah. Um, an extra eight grand that didn't have to come out of your pocket. Mm -hmm. And, and you know why that was ever a standard for sellers to pay for that. I can't wrap my head around why it seemed like such
1: a generous thing to do. It's like, like, it was. And I think it just, at the time with, you know, how our market was with, you know, the number of listings we had, you, you could do that. Mm -hmm. Or if you couldn't, they would go find another house. yeah. Um, So, and I think it depended on too like, if, that seller had another home they were under contract on with Mm. a contingency and they had to get something under contract yeah yeah so you were just sellers were just not that they were willing but the market just kind of dictated it yeah just kind of made them be that way yeah and you know it's totally changed now because you know you drop your inventory by 40 50 percent as a buyer you kind of have to look at and go well this is the best house we've seen and three weeks and I've lost out on four others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We better figure something out. If you want a dream home or a place to live? Well, right. And,
2: and you know, people think that that's completely gone getting closing costs paid for. The truth is it's not, it's just shifted from the seller to the lender. Um, and so like, well, okay. The lender can help with it. it. It actually becomes a buyer cost, but you have those ways of getting those paid for. So, you know, they have different programs that could be your, different down payment assistance programs that get the down payment for you so now your down payment money can become your closing cost money or you know they have things called premium pricing where you can take a little bit of a higher interest rate and the lender can give you a credit towards those closing costs so if you're a good agent and you know what you're doing there's ways to help them get their closing costs paid for it's just not coming from the seller yeah versus yeah.
0: just getting it from the seller yeah, yeah. That was always a fun conversation to have when I was, when I was an agent uh, for the brief time that I was. And when people would ask me, uh, you know, uh, who's paying for the inspection? It's like, well, it's like you're, you're paying for it, but it's like it's getting wrapped into closing cost. Mm-hmm. And the money that you're getting from your loan goes to pay off their loan and that gets cycled around. And it's like this weird soup of money. Yep. It's like, who's actually paying for it. Right. I mean, yeah, it's got your name attached to it, but it's kind of a funny, you know, where's the money actually going kind of thing. Yep. So something I was thinking about in preparation for this, <laughs> it's a horror story type thing, but can you all walk me through the absolute worst Buyer and seller experience you've ever had, obviously names redacted, right? You know, but just Mm -hmm. and you know more or less the whole it just made you sick. Either you messed up, they messed up, and just how it felt and what you learned from it.
2: Gosh, gotta think about that because I mean, I have a couple of those. I just don't know if I want to tell the story. It's (laughs) it's
1: for the most part. I mean, usually I can speak just, just specifically for our team. Yeah for the most part we generally have a pretty good experience our great experience with buyers and sellers because between us our transaction coordinators our admin team you know we we pretty well stay on top of things so when there is a hiccup Mm -hmm. it's handled pretty quickly and efficiently where you know sometimes the buyer doesn't even realize you call them and be like hey this came up we've already got it taken care of Mm -hmm. i just wanted to make you aware yeah and they're like okay like no big deal. Yeah. Um, so, man, it's kind of hard to think of one Damn. that... Hmm. That's cool. While you're doing that, I'll tell you
0: mine. Um, and it had zero ramifications for the business as a whole. It just made me hot, hot mm-hmm. angry. Because it was right after my mother-in-law came to, came to work for us. And what happened was is we got a job scheduled online from somebody out of state. They scheduled the inspection it was a country property and when they put in all the information they put in the correct information um but when we went to schedule everything for some reason uh the name of the listing agent was was wrong like mm-hmm. we got the wrong listing agent and i don't know how that happened but they emailed us and told us hey it's actually this person no big deal changed it that was three days before the inspection We got out all the notifications. The house was vacant, so it's not like anybody had to leave. There was that one thing that happened. The second thing that happened was they emailed the office, Helen Ann, and asked if we could have a septic inspection. Said yes. He had a few questions about that, answered all the questions and everything. Finally, inspection is done. And I guess there was just some miscommunication between the office and him about particulars. Everything was done correctly, but it's Mm. just – communication was off anyway a day after we did the inspection she got this long email from him about how he was disappointed in our services Mm. and it started with um, how we got the listing agent wrong Mm. and it's like what happened? Like it was, it was a, it was a molehill and it's like, it just became this huge thing. And, and this guy was so articulate in his emails. You could tell he wrote emails for a living. Like he sat behind a desk and he was good at writing emails. He wrote out all of his thoughts and it's like, I don't have the time to answer everything in here. Mm -hmm. And it's like those situations where you're, you're stuck between letting it go and the desire to let them know how you feel about their what they brought up to you. You, yeah. you ever get like that where it's like you could let this go, but for you sure. really want the person to know why they're wrong because you're not going to be able to sleep yeah. until they know
2: for sure. Yeah.
0: But we yeah. we eventually got past all well, that. It I was think, all good. I
2: think mine comes back more to the fact that I care about my reputation, which I'm sure yours is the same way. Oh yeah. And so like you get caught in that place where you're like, okay, do I go back and fight with this and try to prove that, you know, I did everything the right way or do I simply just apologize and move on? Yeah. You know, and one one. of the biggest things that I've learned in real estate is you can cover a multitude of sins by Mm -hmm. going to somebody and being like, look, here's what happened. I screwed up. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. This is how I'm going to take care of it for you. Amen. You know, I've paid, I can't tell you how much stuff I've paid for in deals that, you know, we're we just missed and it was you know i had one where this guy was coming here from california and um <clears throat> we did a virtual showing and all that which this is kind of the virtual is great but this is kind of the downfall of it um because he didn't see the house until he after he had closed on it right and um So anyways, long story short, one of the things that he was worried about in the inspection report is at at one point, somebody had opened up the wall between the kitchen and the living room and um, the inspector had noted that that had a little bit of a sag in it. Yeah. Right. And so I called a contractor out there to look at it. Uh, Cause the guy was worried there wasn't a header in there. Yeah. And so called the guy to look at it. The contractor came out and looked at it and he goes, no, this is just bad trim work. You know, there's definitely a header in there. Cause they can't pull it off and look during yeah. the inspection. So they're like, there's definitely a header in there. So I told the guy, Hey, we're all good. You know, well, he comes down goes to remodel that house, pulls all that crap off and there's no header in there. Eesh. And so like, he was not a happy person. You know, and there was nothing I could do at that point except say, I'm sorry, you took my word for it. Tell me how much your header cost off with the bill. And so, you know, you can make a lot of things right by just apologizing mm-hmm. and saying, This is where I messed up. Because where people start to get super defensive and argue back and do all that, I mean, 95% of the time you make it worse. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so just man up and be like, yeah. Yep, I screwed up. You're right. I'm sorry. Okay. But, but that's the weird. How fix yeah, it.
0: That's the weird paradox about it, though, because you say you say "man up." In, in our minds, a lot of times we think we're being less of a man by just apologizing. Nah, it, oh, I'm, I'm saying like a I lot get of people what you're get, in, get into being that way. Yeah, and, and it's real. It's taken me a long time to realize you have to have more control of your. I don't know what you want to call it. you. You have to be more of a man to actually apologize for sure than to just. Well, it
2: it goes against everything in our human nature, because in human nature, we want two things. We want to be right. And we want to look good. Exactly. Uh, And that's it. And so like we get this thing in our mind that you're like, well, if I go back and I apologize to him, I'm admitting that I was wrong and I wasn't wrong. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but you know, here's the thing. If you do a good job for somebody, they're going to go tell five people. Mm -hmm. If you screw something up, they're going to tell everybody Everybody. they see. Exactly. Do not use this person.
0: (laughs) It's, it's the whole, it's the year you broke your leg thing. It's like 2005 was the year you got married. It was the year that you got a promotion was the year that you bought a new car, but you also broke your leg. So it'll only be known as the the year you broke your leg. Exactly. Yeah. And you ever really tick somebody off by apologizing? And what I mean by that is like, they're confused. They want you to argue with them. They want the argument. And and it's like, they get angrier and angrier and angrier because you're coming to them heart and hand trying to fix the situation. And it's like, and I've been in situations like that where people have been upset over an inspection and I'm apologizing to them, but they ignore the apology and they just add something else. And I'm like, I just apologized, you know? And it's funny how that works. It's, it's like keeping coals of fire on yeah. their head kind of thing. And
2: at that point, you though you just have to get to where you can only control what you can control. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's
1: probably somebody you, you couldn't, uh, satisfy their needs even if you did it no matter they, what they'd find do. something to, yeah you know there's just people that are that just want to be mad complainers or they're victims yep. yeah they always play the victim yeah me and Sawyer
0: have had therapy sessions about that and that's what they are they are full-on therapy sessions. Oh, we yeah. do too yeah, yeah. trust off,
1: me just for sure you gotta so let you, know. you gotta vent it out well, yeah. even when you like like david said even though you know you're right but you you kind of have to fall on the sword and be like you know what should have been something I should have caught. You're right. What, like, what can, what do you want me to do to make this better? Like in your mind, what should I do to make it better for you? And And I, (laughs) you hang up the phone and then you walk into somebody's office and you're,
2: I've told my wife this and I don't think it's funny because, because he knows her, but like, we'll get into this argument over God knows what, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm right. I'm like, I am right. Uh (laughs) But I also know that I don't want to fight for the next, forever how long right Mm. so i apologize tell her i was wrong say i'm sorry and then i go to the grocery store and punch the steering wheel the whole way there and be like (laughs) i'm right (laughs) you've (laughs) got to you've got to find that balance between being the peacemaker and and fighting it out and most most of the time Just to be able to move on with your life. Sometimes you just got to. It's
0: worth a whole lot more than being right. Yeah.
2: Sometimes you just got to eat that egg on your face and just be like, okay, fine. I give. (laughs)
1: That egg egg doesn't taste good. No, it doesn't.
2: It really does. (laughs) You
1: can be right or you can be happy. You can't be both. You can't be both. You cannot be both. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's a fact. Y'all didn't know you were getting marriage advice listening today, did you? uh, Uh That's right. (laughs) marriage and business the two are more closely intertwined than you because I heard somebody say we went to a marriage uh, enrichment conference put on by um, a network of, of churches that we belong to uh, and one thing that one of the guys speaking said was you didn't realize this or I didn't realize this when I got married but I was entering into a business partnership yep like you know if if it's done the traditional way of you know like joint accounts and all that kind of stuff making joint decisions and all that it's like I I didn't know that this is what it was going to be like Sure and that decisions being made investments being made. You know, mm-hmm. she's my investing partner, everything. Yep. It's like, yep. You, you don't realize that. And I remember Evan and I going through uh, Dave Ramsey actually at, uh, um, Kelly. Keller Williams, when mm-hmm. they put it on there. And I'm not a, a Ramseyite where I believe in everything he says, but you know, it helped us get out of debt yeah. and it helped us learn a lot about how to manage that kind of stuff. And you know, it's funny in learning to manage money through that, we actually learned to argue with each other a lot better. Yeah, oh, for sure. Because it was centered around money decisions and yeah. my lack of ability to manage it because she is the natural saver. Right there with you on yeah. that one. She is the natural saver. I'm the natural spender, mm. but I'm the natural budgeter. I'm the budgeting nerd. She's not. No, so man. she doesn't need a budget to to save money. Mm-hmm. I do because I'm the natural spender, you know? And and that's bad when you're making good money because shiny stuff looks good. Right. You know. Yeah, it yeah. always
2: does. And especially if you're coming from, you know, a time where you haven't had anything. Exactly. Then it looks even better. Yeah. You know. I
0: mean, I grew up I grew up with nothing yeah. practically. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, it's like I always wanted stuff, but I couldn't get it. And you know, I understand the value of saving money. We have, we have our nest egg and everything, but it it is refreshing. Like when you are self-employed that you can control how much you bring in and stuff. And the idea that you can save up to get certain things. And and I'm not saying that there aren't times where you just can't afford the toys anymore because people were there in 08, people were there in 2001 and people are going to be here in whatever next year it is that we have. But
2: I, you know, I also don't, work as hard as I work to only save money true right like like it comes back to your to your why are you doing this yeah and for me it's so that I can go do things with my family and enjoy some of those things Mm -hmm. because if my life becomes all about work and only saving money yeah dude who wants who wants to live that life where you can't do any of the things and build the life that you want money
0: is fun to spend for you Um, it's, it's it's fun to spend on you but it's also fun to spend on other people, too. Oh, yeah. Too.
2: Yeah. And that, I mean, that's thats one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in being married on almost 19 years is money is a fantastic tool. It's mm-hmm. a horrible master. I'm you know, you. if you, when you are just slave to the money that you make, man, that is the most miserable. That was an awesome sound bite, by the in way. your
0: life. Say it again.
2: Money is what? Money is a fantastic tool. It is a terrible master. I love that. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And that's, I mean. That has been so true in my life. Yeah. You know, but back to your point, like when, when you quit hanging on to that, you know, when you can get to that point in your life where, um, you're not just hanging on to what you have for dear life Mm -hmm. and you can open your hands up and you can go give to people when you don't, when you think you don't have, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, man, like giving
0: is how you get more. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Generous generosity is it's, it's attractive. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun to be that way. Yeah. You know, I heard a, you know, not to get too political here, but, um, I ah, forget it. We'll just do it. But somebody said the best way to lift the planet up and to, uh, get rid of the whole, uh, what do they call it? Um, eco crisis, you know, like pollution, and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is to make everybody much richer because mm-hmm. the richer you are and the more money you have, the more, conscious you are of the environment or the more conscious you are of, of, of things around you. And the point that they made was, you know, just being frank, poor people or people on the lower rungs of, of poverty don't have time to think about that kind of stuff. Yep. And I thought that was a pretty good point. Yep. And it's like, that has absolutely nothing to do with real estate, but I mean, it's tied to some of those things, but oh, I just thought that was an interesting, yeah, interesting point to make perceptions and stuff. So Theodore Roosevelt, I'm going to shorten the quote. I love the long quote where it starts with, it's great. Yeah. It starts with, there are many men who feel a kind of twisted pride and cynicism. There are many who confine themselves to criticism of the way others do what they themselves dare not even attempt. There is no more unhealthy being, no man less worthy of respect than he who either really holds or feigns to hold an attitude of sneering disbelief towards all that is great and lofty. And he goes on to talk about, those cynical kind of people. And he goes into the main part of the quote. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error Massive word vomit from somebody who's way more intelligent than I could ever hope to be But that's one of my favorite quotes and I don't ever take it from the standpoint of look at me I'm the guy doing the work you you don't you don't deserve to criticize me, but I look at it As an encouragement for the person who is out there doing Mm -hmm. the work who's putting in the effort to build a business Talk to me about a time where that quote was almost like an anchor in a storm for you because there has to be times in real estate where people are criticizing you in self-employment in general, forget real estate, but just in general where people Mm -hmm. start criticizing you and saying, you really don't need to be doing this. It's not safe. You need to go back to the eight to five or the methods you're using are not working. Um, Man,
2: for me, I think mine is not, not necessarily around people criticizing me. Um, I think it's more for me, it was more taking that, that leap. And, you know, I think a lot of times we find, um, what's the best way to put it? A, I think we find a certain, um, comfort in staying in our situation, even if it's terrible, um, because it's what we know. And so for me, I don't ever want to be one of those people that won't move forward because I'm afraid of messing up. You know, I don't want to be on my deathbed looking back at my life going, I could have been so much more if I would have only tried. And I think so many times, you know, we get, we get paralyzed in, in all the things that could go wrong, you know, And we get stuck in that. And the fact of the matter is, is that like you look at all these people who have achieved anything great in their lifetime. Every single one of them has failed countless times, countless times. So what does that tell you? Like, it's not about if you're successful, it's about if you're persistent Mm -hmm. because eventually at some point you'll get it right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what it meant to me.
0: I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you could kind of look at pretty much any successful person, my, my greatest or best analogy I can think of is an iceberg. Mm. Cause all you see is the top layer. Yeah. That's all you see. You see the surface level. Um, any, any billionaire, millionaire, you just see that, that net worth, mm-hmm. but you don't see the underneath. Yeah, actually how big the iceberg is and that's where the struggles and the falling and the Mm -hmm. failures and where all the stumbling happened to get to that peak yeah and people again our generation where we're all about the quick and now they just see that and Mm -hmm. they're just like i want that level and i want it right Mm -hmm. now yeah versus hey it it took me years Mm -hmm. to build to this Mm -hmm. to even get here yeah um I think was it was, I think it's Tony Robbins that says you overestimate what you can do in a year, but you underestimate what you can do in a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he was talking to a guy and he was like, you just don't have those decade. You just don't have the decades of failures yeah, mm-hmm. to get to the success that you want to be. And he was like, yeah. I get that you've driven and you want to be there, but you just don't have the decades of failures. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's a, it's, it's true. That's a pretty you know? good slap in the face, right? Everybody,
2: there. everybody has their, their, cross that they have to bear and your mm-hmm. price that you have to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, success isn't free. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you got to wake up and pay your price every single day. But it, he's exactly right in that, you know, people want to be at that level right now, mm-hmm. you know, and it it remi- I can't remember what it was some singer somebody that um he's really famous now, but I think he said, "Yeah, I'm an overnight success 20 years in the making." <laughs> <like that. clears throat> you know. And because people just see that I got famous out of nowhere. What they don't see is me playing gigs in bars and mm-hmm. recording and putting my music out and doing all these things that I have to do for the last 20 years yeah. to get to where I'm at. Yeah. Right. And so people can criticize me all they want. And the fact of the matter is, is that. I have to run my own race Mm -hmm. and like God didn't build me to run your race. He Mm -hmm. built me to run mine. And if I'm trying to run your race, I will never be successful and I will always feel like a failure. So I will never do anything.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Trying to be like everybody around you is the quickest way to failure or trying to be a success the same way another person has been. I'm not saying don't, you know, emulate some things that might work,
2: but sure. But comparison is killer. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's that phrase uh, you reminded me of it. Um, success isn't bought; it's rented, and the rents due Give every day.
2: day. And that's <laughs> it. That's it. Yeah. I yeah. see that
0: on, on a lot of gyms.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I do too. <laughs> that's Gain, a great gym. Games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a Z.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 oh man, yep. it's been fun. Yeah, I enjoyed man. this. This is great. Great conversation. Hope hope anybody who listens to it gets some good encouragement, and because. I have a feeling we're
1: headed for some not dark times, but some tough times it's, they're it's, coming yeah. it'll be different, and I think yeah. that's every generation has to yeah. deal with that, and mm-hmm. you know ours is yeah. it's our time to kind of take the helm from our parents because they're getting older, and yeah, yeah, you know, hopefully everybody you know they did what they could to raise all of us, and so about to be handed off, yep. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: driving driving down I twenty seven to see gas is three sixty five at a certain station, and oh, like four twenty five for credit when it comes to diesel. So Dude, I bought a
2: diesel truck last year. That was a mistake.
0: <laughs> is it, is it that
2: one? Yeah, that
0: right? white one. Out oh there. man, yeah. I think I dinged it on the way. No, I'm yeah,
2: that, that, I bet.
0: <laughs> kick the crap <laughs> out of that <laughs> door. <laughs> Whatever.
2: Yeah, you can fill my tank up <laughs> once. That'll probably cover the cost of fixing <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much for coming on. Really appreciate
2: yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us conversation. Man, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, this is great. I like this. Yeah, me
2: too. We should do it more often.
0: Seriously, I, I think we'll do it plenty. I'll use y'all for filler episodes in the future when I can't get other people to come on. Not, not. like I'm not trying to. You know. You know, Downplay we're,
2: we're just filler line. Yeah, yeah, you know. What? Yeah.
1: <laughs> when you sent when you sent that, he got the B team. The notes. <laughs> yeah. When you sent the notes, I was like, and it, and it said um, no no inappropriate comments or jokes and no cussing. I was like, you're well, talking you to the wrong have, two you people. Got the two wrong <laughs> People on that one. Hey, I don't think we
2: cussed one time, though. I'm like super proud. I cracked. thought you wanted you to when good. you were talking
1: about getting shot, I, and you I, said, Holy I came cow. Really,
2: I came really close. <laughs> yep. like, he was there.
1: He was <laughs> right there.
0: My podcast, my rules. My rules. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I, I, and I talked to somebody ahead of time about doing that because, you know, one of my one of my things, and I'm unapologetic about it, I just it's just the way I am about it, but um, I asked him, you know, if I'm going to put out these rules, you know, no cussing, no inappropriate language, um, this or that. Is that gonna hurt me from a marketing standpoint? And he said, dude, it's it's your thing. Yeah, you, you yeah. just you just said that right. the, they're they're gonna they're not gonna be like, Oh, how dare he do that? It's yeah. just your way of doing things, and if they do, then move on to the next. Right.
2: Well, how and dare you? You didn't say the F-word, I'm not listening to your podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there, there are plenty there are plenty that do that, and, and you're more than welcome to go yeah, listen That's right. <laughs> I think there are podcasts who have that word in the title. Yep, you know? probably. And and uh and, and, you know, that that's the thing that I found out in business. It's it's gotten me out of my shell, yeah. you know, because I personally don't drink. But there are, you know, instances where realtors have called and said, hey, do you want to sponsor the, you know, the keg or you want to sponsor the tailgate? And I've always told them, you know, we, we're we not going to sponsor the alcoholic portion of it. Sure. We'll buy all the food and all the coffee you could ever want. Yeah. And It's never hurt us from a business standpoint. And, yeah. you know, that was a big thing for me to get over in the beginning because that goes back to, like, you're, you get in your own head thinking about what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. And I found out I often have the worst opinion of myself yeah. as opposed to anybody out there that I think is thinking about me. You know, it actually reminds me of a quote. Um, oh, I think it's from Gone with the Wind. Uh, it said, uh, uh, the lady says to the guy, you must hate me. And he, says, and he says, well, if I gave you any thought at all, I probably would. So, <laughs> and that taught me That's something. That's a good quote. And I thought something. I- apathy the greatest insult ever yeah it's like man that mm-hmm. hurts yeah mm-hmm. but we ended the episode five minutes ago now we're gonna now we're it just talking real. yeah exactly <laughs> I, might, I might throw <laughs> With it these cool headphones on yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it, it's fun to play super big podcast you know? yeah it's yeah like got the boom arms got the sure yeah. sm 7 ds and the
1: it is cool i like I it i like it's, it man it's, it's awesome cool. i'll do
0: it anytime y'all want to anytime you have a topic that comes up that you want to talk about
1: This is a platform. I I I need content. So anyway. It'll be interesting to see kind of where our just anything is probably in the next six months. Yeah. Really and truly.
2: Well, especially with everything going on in the world, how that's going to affect our markets. like, I mean, I don't know. There's just a ton going on. So it's kind of.
0: I mean, war's an economy. It is. But I mean, is it a positive economy? Is it a negative one? It depends on the war we're talking about.
2: Based on my diesel prices, it's not that positive yet.
1: Yes,
0: god <laughs> it's positive somewhere else to, from, to some people yeah go. Okay. yeah we' won't hey, g- <laughs> I'll, I'll stop yeah I could delete all this later before it's you good. get in trouble yeah I'll, I'll, I'll stop <laughs> uh appreciate y'all listening we'll catch you on the next one